Welcome to The Wrong Side of the Maelstrom, a Warhammer 40,000 podcast based in southern Ontario. My name's Ian, and my co-host Jason will be joining me shortly, just as soon as he's recruited another planet to the greater good. This is episode 19, and tonight our main topic will be on gaming values and principles, uh, how they affect you, and why you should be thinking about them. We start off with our usual hobby progress and games played. Uh, we have a very quick rules lawyering, and then we uh, jump into the main topic. And uh, we also have our Beyond the Rim, where we talk about other games before we close out the show. Be sure to check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom. We're also on iToysoldiers at itoysoldiers.com slash wrong dash side dash maelstrom. If you wish to contact us via email, we can be reached at wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. And finally, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and give us a great rating. Also, Brimstone Games in Windsor has a uh, club that meets there, the Greater Windsor Table Warriors. They can be found at itoysoldiers.com. They have regular club dates, so come and get your games in. My and Jay's home store is Games Workshop at Young Lawrence, so uh, be, to, be sure to come by and check it out. Uh, please enjoy tonight's episode, and we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom. Jason, where, uh, what have you been up to over the last little while? What have I been up to? Since the last time we recorded. So. Yeah, which wasn't too, too long ago. Three weeks, Yeah, I something like that. Um, well, after Armies on Parade, I kind of took like a week off because mm. I was just in like such heavy hobby drought. Yeah. Uh, which happens to me so much. I need to really figure out a, a it, way to stop that. Is it hobby drought or like hobby drowning? Drowning, yeah, I know. I just do so much and then I'm just like, ugh, I don't even yeah. want to look at models ever. Hobby <laughs> overload. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I started getting back into it because we started up the Escalation campaign. Yeah. So, finally. Yeah, finally, yeah. So it was just 600 points and I was starting off with some Grey Knights and Assassins, which I had already previously done for Armies on Parade, but I still had to do my Inquisitor. Um, and mm-hmm. I was kind of toying around the idea. I had built like a custom one, um, but he was kind of shitty. Like I think he had like carapace armor and just like a, yeah. a force weapon or something. He like looked that. really yeah. cool. He looked cool, but like um, the open book. And, yeah, he was holding yeah. like a book open, like ah, repent. Yeah. Um, but uh, I decided that I was gonna like beef up my Inquisitor a bit more and mm-hmm. make him more of like a a beast on the table. Yeah. Uh, so I ended up using the Castellan Crow model that mm-hmm. I had sitting around. I bought that like. Oh man, probably almost a year ago. Yeah, and because yeah. uh, I just I don't think Castellan Crow is good on the table at all. I've talked about this before on the podcast. He's good on the table when he's in a challenge. When he's in a challenge, all your opponent has to do is say, "I don't accept that challenge," and the man has a close combat weapon. Yeah, um, and he's, he's like two hundred and twenty-five points. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay, he has Cleansing Flame, which is a great power, but, but then I'm not to... paying two hundred and twenty-five points for Cleansing Flame when but... I can just take another librarian and bank on getting Cleansing Flame. It's when you start or you need a fucking purifiers that do the exact same thing. No, you if they refuse the challenge you trash talk your opponent until they get yeah. so disgusted with you they walk away from the table That's and you win default um so i ended up using him but he does still look like a um like a gray knight yeah right uh because he has like the storm bolter 
on the right arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I ended up just taking the risk and carving that storm bolter off mm-hmm. and like shaping the arm again. Looks pretty good because he's not a space marine. So the arm is like, it's a little thin, but it works for him because he's just like a regular human yeah. in uh, power armor. And then I also carved out the head and put mm-hmm. in an old head, which I don't know what head that came from. Maybe an old Space Wolves kit? I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. It's really interesting. It's like an, he's got like the upwards ponytail. Yeah, he's got almost a top knot, top yeah, knot yeah, ponytail yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. And then I didn't add the power pack on the, like the jet pack on the back. Yeah, or the whatever exhaust that, ports. The exhaust ports. Stuff, um, yeah. I ended up just putting a, like, um, like a pistol holster mm-hmm. there, kind of keeping his pistol on his back. Um, I've been getting a lot of comments that it reminds people of... Um, Inquisitor Covenant from yeah. the 54 millimeter range. Yeah, and I didn't notice it at first, but then you post, you showed me a picture. And I was like, damn, son. Yeah. No. It's, <laughs> and legit, I wasn't like... I didn't have that inspiration going into it or anything like that. Well, it, it's the pose because... Because he's holding that sword. Yeah, it's outwards, like yeah. the double-handed sword, like the big sword, mm-hmm. and then the top-knot ponytail. Yeah, yeah. It's very similar. And he Covenant kinda, also he has like the, the cloak, but... Yeah, Covenant has like a storm cone and then some carapace yeah, armor. Yeah. So he's he looks heavily armored for mm-hmm. models in that range. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun, like building and painting that model. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up looking pretty good, I think. Yeah, the backpack really makes him look less like a space marine because yeah. that's so iconic, such part of the model. Yeah. So. Um, and I've started on my 1,200-point um, upgrade mm-hmm. where I start adding in the warband, yeah. like his warband. Um, and I'm doing the same thing with the Crusader model where I'm using power armor, but I'm not adding a knapsack on the back. Um, I added more like um, cloaks to him and stuff like that to really mm-hmm. hide the look of the power armor. Yeah. Just to give him that like big buffed up look, but not like that space marine look. Mm-hmm. Um, if you leave shoulder pads off too. That really yeah, helps. I leave shoulder pads yeah. off, yeah. Um, so I've been working on him. He's a lot of third party bits. Mm-hmm. Um, a metal head from, I don't know what, maybe Inquisitor, but it fits. Well, a, um, not a 54 millimeter head. I don't know, man. It, it's no, pretty no. big, but it fits. It suits so. them. Um, I have so, no idea where I got it otherwise. But, but the head's kind of got like a bit of the bottom armor or something. Yeah. The neck is kind of sticking out, so it looks like an armored gorget, like mm-hmm. a neck guard. Yeah. So that's really, it fits the theme of the Crusaders really well. Yeah. And then um, I was kind of toying with this idea of like how I'm going to use a mystic. Mm-hmm. Because I want a mystic because they help with your deep striking, and uh, I have several skulls on the table which I'll talk about later in games played. But like I'm learning that like several skulls aren't just good for stopping your opponent, yeah, like scouting or infiltrating or stuff like that. It's really good if you have powers that let you read deep strike throughout the course of the game, or just regular deep strike. Yeah, too. or just regular deep yeah. strike as well. Um, which I run a pretty small army, so that's taking a risk. But yep. Um. So I was kind of talking like, oh, what model do I want to use for this mystic? And I ended up getting, uh, what's the actual it's name the of this fantasy model? Fantasy Necromancer. Is that what it is? He's I know. Because you picked out, it yeah. out for me, yeah. Um, I was trying to get you to go with the uh, the Brayherd uh, Beastman guy. Yeah, but that's just not happening. Because Beastman in 40K. Like, yeah, that's cool. But, but then I kind of like, fucking, I want to use But he's also guy. a fucking Inquisitor, man. He's not going to. As I, the only Imperial Servant who would have Xenos. Like Jacaro and stuff, right? Okay, Jacaro, but yeah, aren't Jacaro right. part of the Imperium? No, no, they're not. I don't think so. There's mm-hmm. no Xenos that are part of the Imperium. Anyways, but like the Necromancer works really well. So it works really well. I, I just did a little bit of converting on him. I ended up um, trimming down some of like the long hair yeah. that he had. I wanted to have more of like an old bald man 
type look. More bald, less Skrillex. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, he normally has like a staff that had like folds over top and it has like skulls hanging from it and it's bells like and stuff. Crooked, crooked shepherd's staff. Yeah, sort of yeah. Thing. so I ended up chopping off the top of that and putting like an inquisitorial symbol. Symbol, so he's carrying Thank that around. Relic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's looking pretty cool. Yeah, no, he looks awesome. Um, and then you just gave me, because I have two acolytes that both have flamers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm working on a cool backstory for him and everything. But uh, I've been kind of toying like, oh, what models do I want to use? And it's just those two models. It's just the two acolytes. So yeah. it's like, oh, do I really want to spend like $45 on a box of um, Militarum Tempestus? Yeah. Or, or, not or even yeah. like the $35 for a box of like Cadians that come with like 10 or 12 guys or something like that. Yeah. right? When I really only need two. Um, especially like the military Tempestus box only comes with one flamer in it anyways when I need two flamers. So mm-hmm. I'd have to be converting stuff up anyways. Uh, but you ended up giving me the Kazerkin. Yeah. So uh, I ordered the, on a whim, the uh, when they did the made-to-order stuff, I ordered 10 Kazerkin plus the two special weapons. And I'm not planning on running the flamer ever, so I just gave you the flamer guy for, for your henchmen. So. Yeah, and, he, and it's going to look great. Um, mm-hmm. I might have trouble mixing because there's like two brothers with flamers i might have trouble mixing getting like another guy to look almost identical to him yeah um, but we'll see yeah it's, i'm gonna use them for now at least um I, you know what there'll probably be plenty of kazakin kicking around the store you yeah, yeah bum one off someone else yeah, or exactly something. and then um i still need to build and paint a um minestorum priest yeah so i gotta figure out how i'm gonna do that i gotta figure that out pretty soon because it's like two weeks until I need it. Well, there's some stuff in the fantasy range, like some of the warrior priests, though they're pretty heavily armored. Mm-hmm. And also the priests in the 40K range, are they're old models. But... Well, I don't want to spend too much money on them. I think I'm just going to kit bash a simple one because okay. he is going to be upgrading to have an eviscerator eventually. And that's the one that I'll end up like really you, spending money on to what convert. If you took your old Inquisitor model and put a big chainsword on his back? Oh shit, son! Well, that's what's happening. Yeah, Mister Clough once again. Yeah, I'm all about the <laughs> conversions and saving the monies. Yeah, man. Because you um, have an eviscerator from the Assault Marine. Yeah, I have that. Right? I was looking at yeah. that the other day. Um, and there's actually because the eviscerator is like a two part weapon. Yeah, like it's the one hand holding the blade, kind of, and the other hand has like the rest of the the handle, the hilt yeah, there. Yeah. Um, and I really like that bottom part of the hand that I wanted to use for a model. And I was like, Earl, I need this eviscerator. I need to yeah. save both bits to it. Um, if you just like cut out the hand, touch the blade, and just put a some handle in there somehow. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. Still, when I end up converting like that, I like sit down and I really like just like sp- like clear off the table. Yeah. It's like this is the one model I'm working on right now. And I got like my bits all around me, all the different mm-hmm. kits and everything, all the sprues. And I really take my time, like, going through everything. Like, is this going to work? Is this going to work? Yeah, yeah. Um, and you always end up with, like, just a ton of bits that you've cut off the sprue that are just sitting around. Like, well, yeah. that, those are all failures. Um, and then I started uh, building Marines for my Blood Angels drop Dreadnought Army. Yeah. Um, so I got five of them built. Five of them still, like, half built. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to get right to, like, painting painting them and everything or if i want to wait till like i have a lot of stuff built and then just go heavy one day with painting just get a can of fist and red in their tabletop right mm, i was thinking about that i don't know we'll see halfway I, there yeah exactly 
That's the easy way of doing it. You're or, doing, or do I want to do like a nicer airbrush on them? Yeah, that works too. Mm-hmm. That does, that's not time consuming either. Really. No, no, no. But you're um, doing Codex Codex Blood Angels, right? You're not doing like a successor chapter. Uh, In terms of color scheme, I mean. Yeah, I was thinking about doing a successor chapter, but it's just a lot of work for like an army that's really just meant for tournaments. So I might as well just yeah. fucking paint them red, and that's. Well, call all, it a day. But I mean, part of a lot of tournament scores is painting as well, right? I'm not saying I'm not going to paint them nice. Yeah. I'm just saying flat red is a lot easier than red with silver or like red with... Red, white, quartered pattern something, or something, right? Like, it's just easier to spray them all red, right. yeah. make it look nice and call it a like day. Like my army, you can't airbrush it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Because I also bought the Chapter Ancients box, mm-hmm. which comes with three Dreadnoughts. Mm-hmm. It was a really good deal. I think it was like 125 or something like that, 120. Yeah, you're... Wow, actually, yeah. Which I think each Dreadnought 60 is normally 60 usually. bucks. So, so you get a great deal on it. Um, essentially get one for free. Yeah, almost. Wow. And... Um, so it comes with three Dreadnoughts, which you can make the Librarian Dreadnought or the Furioso Dreadnought. But then I would think also the Death Company or, Dreadnought yeah, as well, the Death right? Company. So that's great. I need two Librarian Dreadnoughts and the Death Company Dreadnought. Mm-hmm. And I'm set. Then I just need Contemptors yeah, and a yeah, yeah. fuck ton of drop pods. Yeah, man. And then I'm ready to lay down that tournament list mm-hmm. and just get crushed because I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> right by the, once it's done... It'll be eighth edition. All that list. Yeah, it won't make it. Yeah, <laughs> wounds. <won't work> <laughs> what do you mean they depreciate? Yeah, I really don't want to talk about that right now. <laughs> Anyways, what have you been up to, good sir? So, uh, can I count uh, taking a licensing exam towards hobby progress? <laughs> yeah. No. Okay. Well, now that I've taken a license exam, I'm able to do hobby progress. So I've basically just been working on my uh, campaign stuff. So. My 600 points was almost finished. It's not quite there, mm-hmm. but now we're into 900, so now I'm starting other stuff. <laughs> so my scout squad is almost done. Uh, tax squad's like halfway done. I only need five until I think the 1200 point mark. Mm-hmm. So uh, I started working on my counts as Storm Raven. So it's the Corvus Black Star with a couple weapon options, yep. different doors. So you airbrushed it red for me. And just today actually i start today or last night i started painting on some of the bone right on. so i need to do another coat of it and i've painted the parts that are going to be metal i painted them black mm-hmm. and that's as far as i've got on it right on. so it's gonna be a while but well maybe not it won't take me a while necessarily but like i still you just a lot sit down to and do. commit some time to it yeah i could knock out most of it in a night probably but mm-hmm. it's just it's a lot of work. It's such do. a beautiful model. Yeah. I had a lot of fun just airbrushing a base coat on it, yeah. just looking at all the details as I was airbrushing it. Mm. Yeah, and it works great on the table, too. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. not today. Today, <laughs> Twinling Glass Cannon couldn't hit the broadside of a fucking demon. Like. <laughs> so, yeah, Tech Marine, Scouts, Bloodstar. Your I, basing is coming along yeah, nicely. Yeah, that was my next point mm. is I started basing a bunch of stuff, which looks really good. I was considering, I think I mentioned it last time about doing a basing party where I'd rebase yeah, my you army were, yeah. with Sector Imperialis. Not going to do that because <laughs> A, it's a lot of money that I could spend on models or yeah. terrain. B, I'm loving how the basing is coming out right mm-hmm. now. So I, I don't think the like the problem was ever that your Space Marines weren't based. I think the problem was so many of them are still on 28 millimeter bases. They all are. Yeah, <laughs> that's the problem that when a lot of people look at it, they're like, ooh, those stand out, right? I, well, I don't care. Like, I'm not spending money to rebase them. 
I don't think they look that bad, personally. No. I'm not saying 32s look bad, either. They look fine, but, like... I love 32s on Space Marines. I've got 9,500 points of Space Marines. I'm not rebasing them. Yeah, yeah. I also have been thinking a lot more about what you said a while back, that this is for Sigmar stuff, I guess. It doesn't... Anyways, that it's all round bases now, but they're still selling kits with... With square bases. Yeah. yeah. And they should be just handing out round bases every yeah, time you buy yeah. a kit. So, I don't know. I'm not spending money to rebase the army. That's yeah. kind of the start and end of it. And a lot of the, the problem is now, though, is all the Space Marine kits come with 32s. So now I'm going back and trying to find 25s instead. <laughs> or 28s, whatever they yeah. are. But I I really like the way they look. Um, I was playing on the city table at GW today, and they matched the table really well. Perfect. Yeah. So that all came out great. Uh, what are you planning to... Hobby goals. Hobby goals. Um, well, I have to paint the Mystic, the Crusader, the Acolyte, and build and paint the Priest. Right. Um, but I want to do that like ASAP, like within the next week, mm-hmm. because Blood Bowl Drops. is coming out in like a week and a half. Yeah. And I am just all over that. And I know that I want to have my army, like my team, just like painted nicely like within a week yeah like the next weekend i want to be able to have like a field like a beautiful skaven team so it's easy with dry brushing yeah i'm not dry brushing oh well <laughs> if i get skaven i'm currently on the fence about whether or not i'm getting skaven yeah guys but if i do i'll just dry brush them. yeah and i have nothing against dry brushing dry brushing is a great technique i use it all the time too you goddamn right it is but i for like 12 models i'm not dry brushing 12 models i'm gonna want to paint them really nice as that's I do fine. with most of my stuff. <laughs> By then, we'll be up to 1,200 points in the campaign. Yeah, exactly. All other shit to yeah. Paint, so. Um, so, yeah, just super pumped about that. So, that's kind of my hobby goal is just finish that those few characters mm-hmm. for my henchman squad. And I want to bust out that uh, the Blood Bowl team. Yeah. What are you adding at the 1,200 point mark to your... Uh, or 900, sorry. At 900, I just added a uh, Vindicare Assassin and the Kalidus Assassin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which so is cool already... because they have like a storyline where they're actually like in a relationship together. Oh, that is cool. Yeah. yeah. Because I like I did her hair um like a blonde color mm-hmm. and then the knife on the leg of the Vindicare, of the Vindicare is the same color. Like oh. a, there's like a lock of hair hanging off of it. Yeah. So I did the same color, so it's like she gave him a lock of her hair. Oh. Kind of and works, he's really you into know, works, I guess so, yeah. I guess, he's yeah. just really into tight leather suits. Oh, who isn't? <laughs> um. Apparently everyone in the forty K universe, I'm still reading um like all the eisenhorn books i'm on the last one now oh nice and it's just like man every goddamn battle they go into someone is wearing like some tight tight. leather skin tight body armor suit yeah body glove (laughs) yeah Yeah. body glove that's the word yeah yeah (laughs) um how about yourself man uh just working on campaign stuff so i gotta get the uh, like just the stuff i mentioned so the scouts tax squad and the blood star need to get those wrapped up and then the drop pod i need to finish painting mm-hmm. and that's sh- and after that it's just basing yeah and that's it for the rest of the and campaign that's easy right yeah and then eventually a shadow sword for the apoc game mm-hmm. yeah i want to have my knight ready for the apoc game yeah so, so it shouldn't be hard but it's just like finding time to do it i yeah. started watching suits that's a good show to watch while painting <laughs> it's all talking about law and stuff yeah so but yeah i just uh need to find t- it's 
freaking tough with work because I commute into the city and it's just no, like, a, I get a, home. A full-time job, right, Ian? Yeah, it's annoying, all right, Jay? <laughs> right on, man. Okay, yeah. well, let's get into games played. Yeah. It's, all, really it's all the commute I'm complaining <laughs> not the full-time, just for <laughs> the record. The games played. I need to talk about my everyday life. All right, so played uh, <laughs> four games. Do, should we just go back and forth? Sure, go. Okay, so first game was... Are all of your games campaign games? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah, mine too. So Yeah, first game was against Zimmer. So it's uh, 600 points on a 4x4. Four four. He's running Iron Warriors with like two little, not tax squads, but Space Marine squads and Rhinos with Power Fist and Plasma Gun. Can I interject here for a second? I, have, I guess you are. <laughs> <laughs> so the purpose of this campaign is like no beat stick lists, really fluffy lists. Um, really, like, whatever army you're playing, hit home with, like, what that army should be like. Yeah. Zimmer has made the most classic, like, Space Marine list, Chaos Space Marine, however, like, I mean, in the... Yeah. Iron Warriors, In the end, they're yeah. more or less the same when it comes to, like, units. I'm, okay, I'm gonna get fucking chewed out for that. They're not the same when it comes to units, but they're fucking both Space Marines. They have Terminators, they have Space Marines, they have fucking yeah. Predators and Rhinos and shit like that. Um... He made a list that is just so classic. It hurts, man. Fucking two tax squads in rhinos, five man with like I think I have a plasma gun and a power fist. Yeah, and then a five like a four terminators with a chaos lord and a terminator. I think that's the six hundred points. Yeah, six hundred points, and that's just so classic. I love it, man. It's also iron warriors. Like it fits their theme. Like no cult troops, mm-hmm. no weird demon stuff. I mean, I guess like demon engines, but like it's just straight up. Yeah. Rock hard iron, mm-hmm. so metal. Anyway, so your game, yeah. So, um, I just like I infiltrated the scouts up, ran the dreadnought forward, deep struck with the assault squad, and Scott assault yeah assault squad popped a rhino. Then the terminators deep striked in, and I charged the terminators, and the scout sergeant charged terminators as well because that was all that was left by then because they got shot to pieces. Mm-hmm. This scout sergeant killed an aspiring champion in challenge so i'm running the ball strike force and it's a vet sergeant with a power sword so initiative five strength five on the charge yep. four attacks kills the champion in the challenge then charges the terminators zimmer manages to finish two fail sorry fail two two plus saves so the <laughs> sergeant kills two more terminators before he gets squashed <laughs> and this is important over the next couple of games how the sergeant oh does. yes it is uh and then like the assault squad kind of gets ground out. My champion gets squashed by the Chaos Lord. Mm-hmm. Dreadnought makes short work of like a rhino and then eventually uh, kills the Chaos Lord. And that's basically what's left on the table. And I won on points. Right on. So, yeah, that was that game. Um, I'll, I guess, also talk about my game against Zimmer. Yeah. Because we also played at the 600 point level. Um, so, in my list for 600 points, it's. Um, Five Grey Knight Terminators, mm-hmm. Hammer, Psy Cannon, I believe all Halvards otherwise. Yeah. Uh, Grey Knight's Librarian, level two, Nemesis Stave Orv, um, or Ward, Ward, Ward Stave. Stave. And Stormbolter, just classic kit. Um, and then an Inquisitor, Mastery level one, Demon Sword, Plasma Pistol in Power Armor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a Caluxus Assassin. Yeah. Uh, so a uh, very low model count. I think it's seven or eight models, five, yeah, six, something like uh, that. eight models, um, plus three servo skulls. Yeah. So I played against Zimmer, and uh, the game went, I think, like 
four or five turns before he finally tabled me. But, like, it went so well to start off. I, like, first turn, took out a Rhino. Mm-hmm. Next turn, I think I maybe it was turn three that I took out the other Rhino or something like that. But I was really, like, picking away at him. And then, like, I think it was turn three came up, and I could not make a two-plus save for the life of me. I just was rolling one after one after one, and that five-man Terminator squad just got reduced to, like, next to nothing. Yeah, that's bad for Terminators. Mm-hmm. Um, but my Calexus was doing its thing, just running around. People are so mm. afraid of that model, man. Yeah. Like, part of playing that model that I enjoy is, like, the fear that, like, <laughs> I see in my enemy's eyes where they're like, oh, my God, what the fuck am I going to do against this thing? All I can do is snap shoot against it. It's like, just throw a bunch of shots at it, man. He only has a four-plus save. It, it has the fear special rule, but also the it works on opponents. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, so I, I do. I enjoy running that that model. Um, mm-hmm. But in the end, yeah, I got tabled, yeah. which we'll talk about that tends to be what happens in my games i feel mm-hmm. like everybody knows that my army is the army that's if you don't beat me <laughs> people are gonna people are gonna razz on you yeah um but yeah i don't remember exactly what the score was but i got tabled so tabled, it doesn't matter yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, your next game sir yeah so i'll mention my list quickly uh captain with jump pack and power sword uh death company dread with fists melt gun flamer Five-man tax wall with Call Me Flamer, Heavy Flamer, seven scouts with the Veteran Sergeant I mentioned, and then six Assault Marines, Meltagun, Vet Sergeant with Power Axe, and Infernal Pistol. So next game was against Leonard, who was running 600 points at guard with, I think, four tanks on the table. So Lehman Russ with the Battle Cannon, three Chimeras, two with Vet Squads with two Meltaguns each, and the Commander... Guard it's guy. like a five-man command squad. Yeah. Um, I almost got tabled, but it ended on turn six, and I won on points. Nice. And my scouts got, like, just trounced. Uh, they charged in, and between, like, a round of shooting and overwatch, there only two guys left, and then lost weight of attacks. But the sergeant killed the scout, the uh, guardsman the scout sergeant. sergeant. yeah. The scout sergeant killed the guardsman sergeant. Nice. Who was Does he special. have a name? Not yet. I'm trying to come up with one. Yeah. He's becoming a character of legend. Yeah, he is. He's known <laughs> around the store. Yeah. Um, I hate yeah. him so much. <laughs> My assault squad was deep striking, and I failed them to come in. They mishapped and then didn't come in until, like, turn four or five or mm-hmm. something. So that was a pain in the ass. Or at least they didn't get wiped out completely. Yeah. Attack squad was just kind of lurking at the back, trying to sit on objectives while getting shot up, and then the dreadnought killed a few things but like really mediocre Mm -hmm. throughout the whole game like just my playing um when the assault squad did come in i managed to come on to an objective and score a bunch of points that was the thing though i was getting objectives yeah yeah, yeah. so was leonard though he wasn't killing you as much as to stop you from getting those points no because we were playing on the city table so very heavy terrain lots of cover saves like my tack marines and scouts going to ground and stuff my dreadnoughts like staying out of line of sight but I could not get close enough to kill the Russ, Lehman Russ. Mm-hmm. So that was just dropping pie plates all over the place. Mm-hmm. So all I had left was my captain and some assault marines, and he still had one or two chimeras, a vet squad, and his Lehman Russ mm-hmm. at full health. So fortunately, I won on points. Mm-hmm. So sick, man. Yeah. Uh, my this is actually my first game that I played at the campaign was against Samurai Mike. Okay. Who we had on in our conversions episode, yeah, um, a few episodes ago, and he's playing Necrons, 
mm-hmm. and he's playing like a really fluffy infantry list. Yeah. Where he has like this the his like one lord guy or whatever. The um oh god, they're like engineer. Yeah, something like that. And then cryptic, he has cryptic. Yeah, the cryptic. And then he has like a unit of twenty flayed ones that he sticks mm-hmm. with. And those are like his experimental bodies or something like that. Yeah. But they're all like craze and everything. And then he has two units of warriors just with like the gauze guns or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I think he's adding in stalkers, which give boost. They give like boost to all the warriors as well. Oh, okay. So it's just going to be like this this fucking line of Necrons just hunting towards you. Yeah. Um, I got fucking stomped, man. Yeah. I think I killed one model before I got tabled. He just was rolling reanimates like it was nothing. Yeah. Like I, it was just so much firepower and a unit of 20 flayed ones. I know you don't see flayed ones on the table a whole lot. Also because they're expensive as fuck. Like they're metal. But like five for 60 bucks or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Mike converted all of his. Probably. But you would never be able to tell. They look yeah. great. I'm and sure. yeah. he just like swears by them. And I completely understand that 20 man unit of flayed ones. He even runs a 30 man unit sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. It's scary as hell, man. I just don't want anything to do with that. They have like five attacks on the charge, shred, and are like 13 points each or yeah. something. Yeah. And they can deep strike or infiltrate or both or mm-hmm. some crazy Yeah. They can shit. infiltrate. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, man. Just a, it's not a nasty list. It just, when I only have eight models on the table. Well, it's a big, it's a tough list to deal with because the Cryptex giving him a four plus will be back roll so is he yeah. reanimation yeah he gives him plus one mm. so i i really want to play mike i haven't played him because i if i can just get my dreadnought in close combat with that flayed one squad they, they can't well, you them. lock them up yeah yeah so if they fall back then i'll run them down because they're only initiative two. Oh right on yeah sweet but the gauze will kill the dreadnought fairly easily yeah so that's so, what you have to worry about. yeah so i've got to play mike soon i want to try my because that list has been doing work in the campaign yeah yeah. so play it i'm trying to make a like a personal goal Mm -hmm. of like whoever i've played i won't play again until i've played everybody else okay so like we played a game the other day which we'll talk about next and it was kind of just like spur of the moment i think it was like sunday and you just asked me you're like hey you want to get a game in and i was like oh well i've already played my two games for this stage but you can play as many as you want, and then you just divide your scores by the number of games that you play, yeah, yeah. and you take the average. Um, and I was only sitting at one point for the week because I got one mm. point in my first game, two points in my second game. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm probably going to lose, but at least I can get two points in this game, Yeah, and I can even out to two points. So I came in and played. But at the same time, part of me was like, well, ah, do I want to... I already got my two games in. If I play mm. you now, I'm not going to play you until maybe the last stage again or something like yeah. that, right? But hey, whatever. We played a game. And, uh, well, I'll let yeah. you talk about it. Sure. So the mission we're playing is, we should mention this, four Maelstrom objectives. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like the... Uh, and it's on a four-by-four four table as well. Yeah. Right now, just because it's 600 points. Yeah. And the objectives, it's kind of like the mission where you can't discard control objective X and then your opponent can steal it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's also, like, another three objectives that you claim at the end of the game for, like, a bonus campaign point. But Yeah. So every game has... Um, like the maelstrom version that you're playing yeah but then there will also be a campaign mission yeah. for the week involved in the in the game as well so you can you win the game based off of the maelstrom points however mm-hmm. you could lose the game on maelstrom points but win the campaign mission of the week yeah and that gets you extra points. and that gets you extra yeah. points towards the campaign yeah so 
I deployed pretty aggressively. We're playing on table with a big Age of Sigmar, like, corn keep in the center. So mm -hmm. big line of sight blocking piece. And I, I deployed first, too. Yeah, and I put my scouts right behind it. So I was pretty far forward. And I deployed well, everything. Well, the only place you could put your scouts. Yeah, because you put all the servo skulls Yeah, I have three servo skulls, so I kind of put one in the center of yeah. all the other three squares, so you could only put them in your square. Yeah, but that was fine, because they were started closer to you anyways, yeah. and out of line of sight, so they can't get shot. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I deploy everything else pretty far forward, and then you infiltrate your Kalexis, which I'd forgotten about, <laughs> and he infiltrates behind my guys, because yeah. I left the, my backfield wide open. Yeah. Uh, so your Kalexis pops up, and kills well, I'm just going for that charge right away. Like, yeah, just kills a bunch of tac marines, which I was going to hold them back to kill the Kalexis because mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, Bliss skill one, snap firing, but they've got a bunch of flamers, so I'm auto hitting you. Mm -hmm. Both flamer guys died in that first. Well, the first thing. psychic phase that I had, I just used three warp charges and took out three guys right away. Yeah, right, including the flamers, including the flamers. Yeah, yeah, and they're assassins, so you're lookout soaring on six pluses. And yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> um. And you had a Secure Objective 2 card, and I had a Secure Objective 2 card. But Secure Objective 2 was right in front of your Terminator, yeah. so I didn't want to run and get it because <laughs> I wanted to. I'm like, it's it's interesting because I said that to you this. I said this to you at the time. For my Dark Eldar, Grey Knights are a great matchup because lots of lots of stuff I can just shoot off the table really easy. Yep. Low model count, heavy armor. Yep. But against my Blood Angels, I want to get in close combat. And, that's, and you want the charge, too. Yeah, and usually I have superiority in close combat. Not so much against Grey Knights. <laughs> so I was playing, like, staying back and, like, screening my assault squad with scouts. Like, just trying, like, I need to get the charge off. Otherwise, I'm screwed. Mm -hmm. I won't have enough attacks. I won't have the strength bonus, initiative, all that. So... I didn't go for those two points, and mm -hmm. you end up sending your Inquisitor off on his lonesome. Yeah, because normally how I run my 600 points is I place the Inquisitor, the Librarian with the Terminators, and yeah. then the Kalux is on his own doing mm -hmm. his thing. So it's it's a hard army to play because there's only two targets. Yeah. Right? And that's why I normally just get tabled. But, I mean, what do you get to do? Run an Inquisitor with a 3-plus save, no one vulnerable out on his own? Yeah. Right? Um, so you did that. <laughs> well, I did that because I realized, well, you were going to get one point for Slay the Warlord, but I was going to get three points because that next turn... You drew another. I, or you had two and I had one or something, something like, like that. that yeah. yeah. So I ended up getting three points just for breaking him away. And I was like, you know what? He's going to charge me. I might take down one or two guys before I die, right? Yeah. I mean, he's a demon sword. He's not bad in combat or anything. Yeah, I didn't get anything too. So I got the one where if I kill a guy, he gets I get an extra wounds. wound, right? Yeah. Which is cool. Um, But it didn't really come into play. No. Uh, my goal for this game, though, I tell you now, was... Because I'm not really expected to win a whole lot, especially at this stage of the mm. campaign. Killed the scouts. I just needed the two points for playing the game. Right. So my goal was to kind of be, I don't want to say as annoying as possible, as as like a, I'm an annoying gamer. I'm just going to frustrate you. Yeah. But it was to like, it was to make you as frustrated as possible playing against me with like my like, because I pulled a few tricks out of my sleeve. But, I mean, that's how you have to play Grey Knights, Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, and that's and I'm getting be better at that. On. Every game that I play, I'm getting better at... Yeah. How do I play this army properly? How do I survive long enough that I don't get tabled that yeah. I can win, right? And that's why I was using the, what do they call the supremacy cards? Because you yeah. get a lot more points with those. So I used to win games by just, I can outlast you and mm -hmm. I'll gain the points as I'm outlasting you, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, so you didn't charge and then you did end up charging the Inquisitor and killing him. Yeah, Scout Sergeant took a wound off him. Didn't, mm -hmm. not, didn't land the killing blow, unfortunately. No. But did... <laughs> 
They wiped him. Um, and then I ended up, I got another objective kind of on the opposite side of the board. So I started moving my Terminators towards that way. Yeah. And, and they, you started chasing me. They charged the Dreadnought or I charged the Dreadnought in No, there. I charged the Dreadnought. Yeah, yeah. and killed it. Mm-hmm. I took out a few Terminators though. So like it was really weakened the unit with yeah, the Dreadnought. Yeah. And I think the, it was two Terminators and the Librarian was left or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I eventually got the charge off with the Assault Squad into the your Terminators. Yeah. And you killed the other two Terminators. Yeah. And, and I just had my librarian left. Yeah, you did. And we're sitting on an objective. And I'm sitting point. on an objective yeah. as well, yeah. Um, but I realized I'm like, it was my librarian versus like your captain and a bunch of guys and a, a sergeant with a power axe. Yeah, and my librarian's not good in close combat anyways. Also to mention, neither of us have OPSEC because we're both running like yeah. your nemesis strike force yeah. and my ball strike force, whatever they're called. Yeah, they give up OPSEC for another Other special rule instead. Yeah. Um, However, I did have Gate of Infinity. Yeah, you did. Which doesn't say that you can't cast it when you're in close combat. Yeah, you, you can cast it so, in close yeah. combat, yeah. Uh, so I pulled that one on my sleeve, and I mm-hmm. threw four dice at it, and I got the fuck out of there. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I ended up deep striking next to one of my servo skulls, and that's when I kind of made the realization that I was like, oh, shit, son. It's actually good to kind of yeah. have these in strategic points on the table, because I can actually, if I get Gate of Infinity... I can start jumping around that table, yeah. right? Well, because you put it in your backfield to stop me from infiltrating there. Yeah, yeah. Because so, they're easy to get rid of. Like, if I just move close to them, they yeah. disappear. But, yeah, that was really handy. So, yeah, he ended up uh, coming in. He came in a little close to the scouts, though. Yeah, so <laughs> the scouts uh, forego- uh, forewent their shooting to attack the librarian in glorious <laughs> hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. Scout Sergeant did two wounds, and you rolled Snake Eyes. I rolled Snake Eyes, yeah. <laughs> and up goes the Scout Sergeant's kill total. Yeah. Well, you didn't get my Warlord, so I'm okay with that. However, I did place a bounty on that yeah. Scout Sergeant's head, which was finally collected today, I believe. Yeah, so should I jump into my game? Sure. So 1,200 points against Alfonso, who's playing... To be fair, you won in our game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who's playing 30k Word Bearers, so he's got... I added in my uh, Storm Raven... Bumped the scouts up to 10 guys and gave the five-man tax squad a draw pod. And that's the 300 points I added. Right on. Storm Raven's got Typhoon missiles and a last cannon. Um, so we're playing this ambush mission. So Alfonso set up his rhinos in the center. So he's running three veteran tax squads in rhinos, each of them five men, two with plasma guns, woven the heavy flamer. The... Crimson Apostle Demon Psyker named special character. It's it a forgeable model. Yeah, I, I'm blanking on his name. He comes with like the two other demon mutated guys when you buy him. I I can admit I don't know my Forge World very yeah, well. I'm, yeah, I think it starts with a Z. Anyway, so he was in one of the boxes and then he had uh, Ashen Circle, which are like veteran um, jump troops with uh, hand flamers mm-hmm. and like a cool rake power chain thing Mm -hmm. they're really cool because they're in the fluff they go around to all the cultures that they take over and burn their libraries (laughs) i guess that's cool yeah i think it's cool yeah um it's pretty brutal yeah i think that was it so uh my tax i mean my assault squad got like gunned down right off the bat but he didn't kill the captain he charged in took out an attack squad afterwards my scouts just like could not do shit this game like they failed to charge mm-hmm. fell back move forward ashen circle came down like fourth turn and flamed like most and of they're the actually really nice models as well 
the scouts or the Ashen Circle? The Ashen Circle. Yeah, they're yeah. really cool looking. Unfortunately, Alfonso wasn't, they weren't painted, and Noah came in and gave him, like, absolute shit for it, but <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, to be fair, your What's It Called wasn't fully painted either. No, my blood stars. Yeah. Uh, Dreadnought came in and started, like, you know, doing work. That thing's been, like, killer, this yeah. campaign. Dreadnought's a great man. Yeah, killed his, uh, so my captain went down to his uh, warlord, and then the Dreadnought came in and killed his warlord. Nice. And, but before the warlord died, he summoned a herald of Zinch. <laughs> and that herald of Zinch was possessed by a bloodthirster. No, really? Yes. <laughs> so now there's a 300-point bloodthirster on the table. In a 900-point game. Yeah. It suddenly appeared. Uh, I don't have a lot left. He doesn't have a lot left. He has, like, three tack marines and his ashen circle and two rhinos left. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, shit. So I charge my attack marines at his three-man attack marine squad, forgetting that they're veterans. So they have two attack space yeah. plus weapons. And my guys, they get the furious charge, but I, out of those six attacks, I only hit with one. Mm-hmm. And then Are they weapons go four? Yeah. Okay. But, like, I rolled, like, three ones and two. Like, I, I only yeah, hit with one attack. It's close combat, man. Half the time you're going to fucking fail yeah, anyway. so didn't kill anything. Then he comes back, wipes out half of my guys, mm-hmm. and then get killed next turn um i charged the dreadnought into the bloodthirster because other than shooting it with the blood star that's all i got because i've blown all the blood stars missiles on trying to kill rhinos that like <laughs> yeah. were in cover well you didn't think there was gonna be a bloodthirster no appearing, so. i didn't <laughs> um so here's the thing with the bloodthirster it's the one with the big flail so it's not the d thirster okay yeah and bloodthirsters are only strength six okay so he's he can only glance my dreadnought. Mm. Uh, however, it is weapon skill 10, initiative 9. So he's hitting me on threes. Mm-hmm. And he's got like a boatload of attacks. Yeah. So dreadnought on the charge, death company dreadnought, eight attacks with the errata. But I'm hitting him on fives. Yeah. And wounding him on twos, though. Strength yeah. 10 to say. And then he's got a three up, five plus plus. So mm-hmm. I'm doing wounds each round, but just not enough. And he's only stripping like one or two hull points each round. Yeah, yeah. So after the Ashen Circle, gunned down my scouts and then roast them in Overwatch and kill the last scout because yeah. I charged them for some Why stupid not? reason. Well, <laughs> I could have charged a Rhino. That would have been the smart move, okay. but I forgot that they were getting like D3 hits. Anyways, so he starts moving the Ashen Circle in to take out the Dreadnought because its sergeant's got Melta bombs. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> Your bitch of a bloodthirster needs his boys to come in and save his ass. <laughs> and like Noah comes over and we're chirping him like, what the fuck, man? Because <laughs> my blood star is hovering. So like, just go kill that. Yeah. And we convince him to go do it. I'm thinking, perfect. This gives my dreadnought just enough breathing room to kill the bloodthirster. Yeah, you convinced them not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Why does a bloodthirster need help? Oh, well, whatever. You got to win the game. It's a 300-point model. Yeah, well, and to be fair, you're supposed to play as, like, fluffy as you can. Yeah. Anyway, so the Bloodthirster killed the Dreadnought, and the Ashen Circle killed the Bloodstar because they immobilized it, and then the game went to turn seven. Yeah. So over the next three turns, it's dead. And, you know, all I left on the table was a drop pod that got dangerous terrained when it came down. So only one hull point the entire game. And he beat me on points yeah. and secondary objectives and, like, everything. And he broke your winning streak. Yeah, and killed the scout sergeant. And killed the scout sergeant, so I owe Alfonso a beer. Yeah. <laughs> so Right on, man. Yeah, I know. I need to get some 1,200-point games in. But mm-hmm. it just started yesterday or whatever, right? Yeah. So, 
I'm excited to. I want to actually play Noah this round, who's running the campaign because he's running a Grot army. Yeah, with like lots of Grot tanks. Yeah, he just built. Um, I think he's adding two more Grot tanks and then some uh, mega armor Grots. Right on. Well, I have the Vindicare, so that's kind of like an instant destroy a. That would be like what one or two hits over the course of the game. Right over six, seven turns. Yeah. <laughs> well, with the strength ten AP one, you hope that you're blowing up one a turn, but you we'll hope- see. I hope so. I hope so. I do a lot of hoping in my games, apparently. Yeah. Um, I think that's it for me, though, when it comes to games play. Yeah. I just, I had a winning streak, and Alfonso broke me over his bloodthirster's knee. So, <laughs> I'm yeah. actually really pumped to play Alfonso because I'm playing Grey Knights. So, oh, yeah. The, I want to play, I want him to summon some demons. Yeah. And his warlord's a demon. Oh, is he? Like, he's a possessed guy. Oh, so right he has on. The demon Sweet. special rule. Okay, cool. So, perfect, man. I'm yeah. actually going to be able to play Grey Knights the way they're supposed yeah. to be played. Yeah, I'll actually use sanctuary, not sanctuary, um, banishment. Yeah, <laughs> cool man. Uh, I guess we'll take a short break and be right back. Hey guys, Jason here. I just want to take this time to tell everyone that we do have these spaces in between our segments and. While we were for a while thinking about going out and looking for sponsors for the podcast. We do want this to be a community show and involve you guys more in this like Ontario community. If you guys have anything that you want to advertise, whether it's a a business that's hobby related or just maybe a service for the hobby, or even if you're planning on organizing a campaign or a league or something like that within Southern Ontario or something that you just want more people to gain awareness in, in the hobby, feel free to contact us because we do have these spaces and we're giving this stuff away for free. We want this space to be your guys' space for the for the podcast and everything. So just give us a shout on uh, Facebook or we have an email as well. Um, Ian mentions it at the beginning and end of the podcast. Just shoot us a line if you want to fill that space with something that you want to inform everyone with. Thanks a lot, guys. All right, and we're back with some rules lowering. Yeah. Okay, so we have another uh, viewer question, mm-hmm. or a listener question. I guess no one really views us. They can view our pictures on Facebook That's while true. listening. There you go. I assume they're doing other things, though. <laughs> yeah, they have better things to do. <laughs> yeah, like catching up on all that hobby debt. Exactly. Um, okay, so we talked before um, in a previous episode about charging through cover and what affects it what doesn't affect it and stuff Mm -hmm. we're going to continue with that topic yeah so last time we didn't have access to the necron codex but today we do we do so read me the question jason Alrighty, sir so um does the necron wraith suffer the initiative one penalty for charging through terrain despite its wraith flight rule Ooh. so this was a bit of a tough one as I was reading through it. So this is um, not as cut and dry as other questions we've answered per se, but I this is the best interpretation I Yeah, and get. the Wraith Flight rule is the one where it can basically phase through anything. Like it ignores yeah, terrain. terrain. So I'll read it. Uh, so this is in the Wraith Flight data sheet. When moving, uh, in the Necron Codex, when moving, Canoptec wraiths can move over all other models and terrain as if they were open ground. However, they cannot end their move on top of other models or on top of impassable terrain, yada, yada, yada. So, so basically it's saying if it was to charge through difficult terrain, it would be ignoring that terrain? Or is that only in the movement phase? Well, 
so the draft FAQ uh, clarifies this a little bit. So obviously draft FAQ is just a draft, but going by that, um, on page one of the draft FAQ, Q, do the Wraith Flight and Immune to Natural Law rules, which I believe that's for the Catan. Anyways, do the Wraith Flight rule, does the Wraith Flight rule work only in the movement phase, or do they work during any kind of movement, such as run, charge, and consolidation moves? Answer, the Wraith Flight and Immune Natural Law rules take effect anytime the model moves in any phase. So in the Assault phase, if yes. he was to be charging through difficult terrain, he would treat that as open ground, according to the Wraith Flight rule. According to the Wraith Flight rule, yeah. Okay, so now if we were to look at the big rule book under, like, um, I guess, like, charging through difficult terrain or something like yeah, that, so, does it mention anything about that? Yeah, so page 47, charging through difficult terrain. If, when charging, one or more models have to move through difficult terrain in order to reach the enemy by the shortest possible route, the entire... Unit must subtract two from its dice roll when determining charge range from further down. If at least one model in the charging unit moved through difficult terrain as part of its charge move, all of the unit's models must attack an initiative one step. So this is kind of interesting because the wraiths moved through the difficult, difficult terrain. terrain. Yeah. But however, the wraith flight rule allows them to treat it as open terrain. Now... Wraith, uh, Necron Wraiths, they don't have grenades, they don't have anything like that. Mm -hmm. They have whip coils, but that, uh, as we talked about in the last episode, whip coils would be negated by the difficult terrain initiative penalty. Mm -hmm. So, however, it does say that they treat that terrain as open ground. So I would read that as... They didn't charge through the difficult terrain. Yeah, they treat the difficult terrain as open ground and therefore do not suffer the initiative penalty. Mm -hmm. I think so too, and that makes Wraiths even better i mean hey unless people have been playing like that and if you have that's cool but clearly this question was brought upon us because it's kind of confusing i think it's i think it's pretty confusing it's something I that i never thought about yeah right it's um i i it was definitely not a question that was cut and dry it was something like i had to go to the faq double check clear and there's no solid clarification on this mm -hmm. but the way i read it is that the Rates are charging through count is charging through open ground mm -hmm. and therefore did not suffer the penalties. Mm -hmm. I so, think so too, man. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, yeah, that was pretty. Uh, got an answer a bit quicker than we normally do there, but well, it's a it's a very specific question, yeah. right? So, um, but as always, if anyone has any questions they want to ask us, just message us on Facebook. That's usually how we get them. Yeah, or uh, we also have an email, wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail dot com. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, if you want to send it by Raven, that's cool too. <laughs> You know, I've been watching a lot. Of Might take Thrones, a bit longer. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we do, if the question that you send us is, it doesn't take that long to figure out, mm -hmm. we will tend to answer you right away. And then sometimes we'll still put it on the show. Yeah, if it's if it's something like Jesus H. Christ, just read your goddamn rule book. <laughs> well, we <laughs> but, won't say that. But, but we're, we're still, I love looking through the rule book. Uh, your questions help me learn the game better. And God knows I need that. Hey, and if you have a question, it's likely some other player has a question. So, you know. Be brave, shoot us an email, and you'll be helping out not just yourself, but everybody else. Yeah, it keeps us busy during the day, too. You know, normally pretty bored. I lead a very sad life, so yeah, <laughs> I really need these questions. All right, man. Uh, I think that's it for Rules Loring today. We yeah. will take a break and be right back. All right. All right, and we're back with our main topic for today. Mm -hmm. We're talking about gaming values. 
Yeah. Value slash principles. Like, what do you want to get out of your gaming? Not only gaming, but we'll also talk about, like, um, hobbying, too. Yeah. Like, when you saddle up to the table, what are you looking for? What are you hoping to achieve? Or what do you want from the type of game? Mm -hmm. And that, it varies from player to player completely differently, I think. Yeah. I, I think there's definitely some shared values or shared principles within tabletop gaming in general yeah. or gaming in general. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to talk about mostly what we want to see. So do you want to start with what, uh, what what we think or do you want to start with some more general stuff? Well, let's start with like why we're having this conversation in the first place. So this isn't something that generally you talk about at the hobby table or where you're having beers uh, post-game or something, but it could be important to ask what the gaming principles are if you're forming a gaming group or a gaming club. I think that's big time, yeah. Because you want to find like-minded people. If you just want to form, like, if you want to find like-minded players, you should have an idea of what principles you want to share with them. Yeah, I think that if you're going to have a gaming group, if you're going to organize a gaming group or take part in one, you need mm -hmm. to make sure that those people that you're going to be gaming with on a yeah. regular basis, because normally if you have a gaming group, those are the people that you mainly game with. Yeah. Um, no matter how large that gaming group is. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it could be five people. It could be 20 people. Yeah. Right. Um, like if you're a fluff bunny like myself, you don't want to saddle up across the table from a win at all costs player. In a gaming group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there will be people like that in a gaming group that join in. Yeah. But still, you want the majority of the people that you play with to have the same gaming values that you yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Um, if you're running an event, you probably want to let people know what kind of values there are. So is this, you know, a top-tier tournament where ITC ranking is coming to play? Mm -hmm. Or is this going to be a super narrative event where every model has to be painted? and named or something yeah um now this is an interesting one uh you mentioned this idea to me before about like what do you want the value of the event to be um you can try as much as you want when it comes to an event if you're making it an open event where anybody can sign up and do whatever they want mm -hmm. um you're kind of leaving yourself open to well put the idea out there and most people will take to it but you're still risking the chance of some people not following that value um yeah astronomicon in uh, ontario here is a great example um, it's a very narrative event. Yeah, it, where you're supposed to come in with like fluffy lists. Your mm -hmm. army lists need to like you're handed in your submitted army lists need to be in a fluffy manner and everything like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, the whole event itself is focused mm -hmm. around the narrative and the, the getting into your your army as much as you can. Right. Um, and that's a beautiful idea. I love that so much. Like I can't wait to go to Astro next year. Mm -hmm. Um, with that being said, there are still people that show up with semi fluffy like they're still fluffy lists but they're still very competitive they're lists going what, to compete exactly yeah um so you can put that value out there as much as you want in a tournament don't expect everyone to follow it well i think if you have a public event that's just kind of you can try as hard as you want but if someone goes with the intention of breaking the event then that's um then you're just gonna happen yeah. but i think that can kind of brings um Let's just dive right in there because that kind of dovetails into the first one, which is honesty. And I think this goes across almost all gamers of any type, whether it's tabletop, video games, um, role-playing games, is honesty. You are playing by a set of rules that both players, players agree to, and you are assuming that your opponent isn't going to cheat. Yeah. And that's... At least on purpose. And I'm not saying if you show up to Astronomicon 
uh, with a competitive mindset that's cheating, but like that's kind of going outside of the that might be going outside the bounds of that. Or I, I I'm not okay. I'm not gonna label that as dishonest, but you are playing by a set of rules, is what I'm saying. Yeah, so yeah. if me and you, Jason, are playing a game and you bring an extra two hundred points knowingly, it's like, well, you're breaking that principle. You're yeah. not being honest yeah. with me. Yeah. If you're moving your models more than they're supposed to be moving yeah. on purpose, you're breaking that honesty. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I used to play with a guy who, when I lived in Windsor, actually before I joined the Windsor Club, when there was just four or five of us who played in my friend's basement, mm-hmm. and he would cheat almost all the time. Yeah. We usually played Magic, and he would like stack his deck and mm-hmm. cheat, and he'd get really drunk, and be, re- and then it would be really obvious that he was cheating, but yeah. he was quite good if he was sober. I remember one time we played a team game of 750 points and went back afterwards and from memory reconstructed his list mm-hmm. and it was over 1,100 points. <laughs> just his side alone. Yeah, yeah just his side. Like, yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, great. That's nice. Yeah. Like, that's, it's an interesting concept. I'm, I've never understood people wanting to cheat. Uh, it's kind of a younger kid thing, I feel. Like you, you feel the need that you have to win. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, Neither of us, to, to my knowledge, neither of us are psychologists, and we don't need to get into, like, did this guy have, you know, problems as a kid? And yeah, that's why yeah. he needs to cheat. Like, whatever. Like you're, But generally, though, when you're coming up to a game that has a shared rule set, you're assuming the other player is not going to break those rules. Yeah. So that's probably the first biggest value that is almost universally shared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, one thing, when I'm running events, I try to be as inclusive as possible. Mm-hmm. So regardless of what army you're playing, what skill level you're playing, how many points you have, um, you can bring those to the table. And I guess there are some things I do that are exclusive. So, uh, for example, when we were talking about running the campaign, and we're going to have Noah on at some point talk about the campaign in depth, but Mm -hmm. we wanted to have a more closed group because we did want to exclude people who didn't share our values. Yeah. Yeah. So... There is that, but on this other hand, like, I want to, when I ran events in Windsor, for example, like, uh, the last APOC game I ran, uh, a guy signed up for it, and he's like, oh, I don't have 3,000 points, I'm just getting into the game or back into the game, I can bring 1,500, I'm like, okay, well, this other guy doesn't have all day, Mm -hmm. so you guys play, and the winner drops an orbital bombardment. Yeah. And that's so you have a, an effect on the big game, but yeah. you're still a part of it, but you're not really a part of the big game. Yeah, so, I mean, you can bring 1,500 points and just throw them on one side of an apocalypse game, but that's then you're doing a lot of sitting around because you don't have as much to move or shoot. Yeah, yeah. This way, it's like, you know, you're dropping a giant D template on the table. Like, mm-hmm. that has an effect. Yeah. So, that's an example of inclusiveness. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, just generally, I think, respect, like, including people of different nationalities gender like that a level of gaming i mean inclusiveness when you talk about like especially when it comes to tabletop gaming you can have a very large gap in age difference yeah that um yeah age is probably the biggest one that's something that you really have to take into consideration especially when you're playing if if you're someone that doesn't want to play with kids that's completely fine I, i i get it there are days that i'm just like i have no patience for this yeah um at the same time Hey, we were all there at one point, most likely. I yeah, mean, I, I think a lot of us got into the game when we were in it at a young age. Yeah, um, just because we grew up and matured, or you know, think that we matured, <laughs> act like we matured. I mean, we are talking in the microphones to the internet about toy soldiers. Toy, toy, toy so. soldiers, exactly. Um, 
you have to go back and remember that, you know, give them the, the time of day as well. Yeah, especially in terms of kids. Like, they're the future of this hobby. Yeah. When I'm 40 or 50, if I'm still playing, I hope their kids getting into the game mm-hmm. and continuing it. And also, by the same token, like, we're probably in, you know, we're both in our late 20s. That's around, like, the... Don't tell everyone how old I am. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jason's a... I just don't want to... No, I don't want to admit it myself. <laughs> Jason's a robust and virile 21-year-old. <laughs> so, uh, perfect specimen of masculinity. Thank and you, thank you. <laughs> such and such. I'm a overweight 45-year-old <laughs> who's going nowhere in life. Anyways. Um, <laughs> literally, her birthdays are three weeks apart. Yeah. <laughs> like, just Anyway, so yeah, we're... I think like mid to mid twenty in your twenties is around the age that I've under where I tend to meet people. Yeah, is like twenty to thirty is basically the age that we hang out with. The age of like guys at the like when I hung out in Windsor. But there's also older people and younger people, and yeah. like you shouldn't be disclude. You should learn to be accepting those people as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like some of the guys in our role playing group are nineteen. Yeah. And I get along with them great. Like they're, I consider them some like my good friends now. So, yeah, well, um, I think be, it's I think it's you come together for a for a common value, and that's yeah. the have fun gaming, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that that can lead us to another uh, common value that everyone kind of shares is fun. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, that kind of it seems obvious. Like yeah. We're playing a game. We want to have fun, but I think it needs to be extended do you just want to have fun do you want to have fun at all costs you want to win at all costs Mm -hmm. or do you want your opponent to have fun yeah uh we were talking about this beforehand that um you have to be able to look at it when you play a game as frustrating as as a moment can be Mm -hmm. look at it through your opponent's eyes Um, yeah for instance we were playing a game and i think it was my terminator librarian or something like that uh two plus armor save he had just been eating those wounds and just he just rolling those saves. There's mm-hmm. tons of stuff coming his way. And then finally, I, I don't know if it was against you or maybe it was against Zimmer. Um, someone attacked him with two two wounds. Roll those two dice. Double ones. Uh, it was my veteran oh, scout sergeant with yeah, a power fuck sword. Fuck that guy. Fuck that sergeant. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't done a whole lot lately. But. Um, but it's something like that where it's like I roll my eyes. I'm like, of course, right? Of course, I'm going to roll double ones against that when mm-hmm. this is like the last attack of the turn, right? Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, I can sit back and laugh because I see like the grin on your face. Like, yeah, yeah. of course, like he got you again, right? It's okay. We're all having fun here. Man, yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, I think that's something I'm guilty of sometimes is getting like so intense and like into the game that like okay, I have a vital charge that might make or break the game and I fail it and I'm like, ah. Oh. Yeah. And, but realistically, think of the sense of relief my opponent feels. It's mm-hmm. like if he, if I had made that charge, I might have like broken his center. That would that be would've, end game or yeah, something Yeah, that would like be that, it. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's something I need to think about a little more. Not mm-hmm. that I don't think about my opponent. It's almost fun, like a little bit of empathy. Yeah, in, empathy. In the yeah, game no, when you're that's playing, a good right? way to, yeah. That's the right word, empathy. Yeah. Yeah, having empathy for your opponent and thinking about how they're feeling. Yeah. And I mean, if your opponent has fun against you, they'll want to play with you. Exactly. Again. That's, that's what that's, you want. You want to have people that want to play against you all the time. Yeah, There's you, nothing better than being like, I really like playing against that person. Yeah. Right? Like I would I would play and lose to that person all the time just mm-hmm. because it's a fun game to play. Yeah. 
Um, we'll come back to that a little bit because mm-hmm. I'm going to bring up an example later. But um, I think one thing as well that we kind of talked about a little bit already, but is respect mm-hmm. in terms of gaming. This is tabletop gaming. You're not screaming obscenities into a microphone. And like you have to look your opponent in the eye. You shake their hand. Like If it's a part of a community, you have to see them on a regular basis. Like mm-hmm. It's important to show respect for your fellow gamers, for your opponent. Mm-hmm. And you know, be courteous and be kind to them. Cause these are people like you're staying across the table for like two and a half hours. You yeah. gotta be, you should be kind to them. Mm-hmm. And um, I have played a game uh, before. I'm not going to mention names or anything, but I have played a game where after the first turn, mm-hmm. I realized that this person was not into the game for my fun. Was yeah. not into the game for, even though it, it wasn't a competitive game. Mm-hmm. like we didn't agree on like it wasn't at a tournament or anything like that. it was just a pick up and play game yeah and i could tell right off the bat they were only interested in winning themselves mm. didn't care about how i felt no respect towards me um honesty might not have been there completely and turn two i just i conceded i was like good yeah. game yeah i'm I'm not gonna win this one shook their hand and walked away yeah right and, it was like, and i made it seem very like there's no point in continuing this i've lost this game already mm-hmm. like it's it's very like you've made the clutch move that's it why are we going to waste another two hours of our time? Yeah. But the fact of the matter was there was just no point in playing against that person. It wasn't going to be a fun game. It's not worth my time. It's yeah. not worth, maybe it's worth their time because all they care about is winning, but yeah. Well, there's some players I'll go up against them. Like before I deploy, I know I'm going to lose. Yeah. Like they're just a much better player than I am. Or we agree. It's like, Oh, I'm practicing for a tournament or something. Mm-hmm. And they're like a top tier player. And I know I'm going to lose, but I agree to that game because it's, enjoyable because they're respectful because yeah. we're friends yeah i don't mind i don't mind losing if I'm. it's also fun. enjoyable to know like if that person is a top tier competitive player to watch them work their magic on the table against you mm-hmm. right to know that like i'm not going to win this game but i'm going to try hard and i'm going to i'm going to observe what they're doing as a player yeah and the strategies that they're using and stuff i love watching that man. yeah i think maybe we should talk about this now so this isn't necessarily a value that I share personally, but like being the best, being winning. Yeah. Well, I think those are two different things, being the best and winning. Because mm-hmm. you might be, I want to be, have like a high ITC rank. I want to be top tier. I want to win tournaments or place in tournaments. Yeah. And then there's kind of a step beyond that, which is winning at all costs. Like, I don't care about being the best. I just want to win. So. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah. Because it's like, Again, won't name names, but there's a player in at the store where we play at who will only play players he knows he can beat. Mm-hmm. So he's not out there to become a better player. He's just out to win. Mm-hmm. Whereas players who want to go to tournaments and place, they want to play against Everyone. stiff competition. Yeah. Yeah. And be the best they can be. Mm-hmm. They don't the, want to just the, win. The they more want you the see on the tabletop, the more experience you're going to yeah, get, the more, exactly. the better you're going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, part of, I find, and this is something because I'm getting more into the competitive scene. I want to get yeah. more into. The, I want to get into the competitive scene with the right army, so I'm building it. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to be the best, but um, and we'll talk about this as well. Um, for me, it's not being the best. For me, it's being the best that I can be. Yeah. Um, I don't go. I'm not going to go into a tournament expecting to get first place. I'm going to go mm-hmm. into a tournament expecting to do the best that I can do. Yeah. And then setting my goals for myself. The next tournament that I go. Maybe I can win more games. Mm-hmm. Maybe I can get this many points. Stuff like that, right? Um, like for me, I want to be a better player. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I'm going to beat, you know, I'm not going to place in any tournaments, but I would like to show up to a tournament and 
win a game mm-hmm. and stay focused enough so I don't make stupid mistakes. Like that's how I lose a lot of games. Yeah. It's just like I'm not paying attention. I'm not in the right mindset. And that that's okay because mm-hmm. I'm not going to a game to win at all costs. I just want to have fun. Yeah. But sometimes, you know, it can be frustrating. It's like, well, if I just hadn't made that mistake, this would be a lot more mm-hmm. it'd be a much closer game. So but like also I'm not going to go out of my way to um buy a scat bike army for example to win yeah like i want to win with the army that i like to play like you're building a specific competitive army and but you know i'm not i'm not putting a value judgment on it like i'm thinking like that's cool you can go build a build whatever army i'm not building a super cheesy well it's kind of cheesy but i'm not building building i'm I'm not building an army that uh, continually does really, really, really well at tournaments, and that's the meta. Mm-hmm. I'm building an army that has done well in previous tournaments, yeah. and you don't see a whole lot of right well, now. Even if you were building a scat bike army, that's fine. You're bringing it to tournaments to win, right? Yeah. But I, I want to win with the army I have. It's like I'm setting a bar for myself. Mm-hmm. Blood Angels, not the most powerful codex, especially. But with Angels Blade, they're like maybe Getting viable better. now. Yeah. So yeah. I want to try and. Go to a tournament and win one or two games using Angel with using Blood Angels, yeah, yeah. and that's kind of like my goal. And I know I'm not going to win, but I'll become a better player doing mm-hmm. it and stuff. And I find that the community too is very respectful to something like that as well. Yeah, like even though you'll go up against someone who's rocking Double Storm Surge, yeah, Void Shield Generator or whatever, like just bunkering them down to trying to mm-hmm. annihilate you. And if they see you rocking an army like that and you win a game or something, they're like. Good yeah. job, man. That was sick. I like seeing that on the table, I mean, right? Like, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with playing, like, you know, scat bikes versus double storm surge. Like, that's just, I imagine for those players, that's just like a chess game. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's very, like, right down to the wire. You can't make mistakes. That's just not the kind of type of game I want to play. Yeah. I think it's a fine way to play. I'm sure it's fun for those players, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that's why we're ta- having this topic. It's yeah. like, these, these are more values. The values. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, also that being said, like I, so I'll use an example of, uh, Ivor, he's a shoot. I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name because I always <laughs> screw it up. Anyways, he's a player in Windsor. If you're part of the great Windsor table warriors, probably know him. He has like won tournaments in the past and stuff. I don't know if he plays in them still, but he is one of the nicest guys I've ever had the pleasure to play against. Mm-hmm. And I've never come close to beating him, but he is so respectful and is so, has so much empathy for his opponent and whether or not they're having a good time. And he just wants to, he, he, he'll play the best he can, but he wants to just have a super fun game. And it's, it's really important to him that you are having fun as well. Um, it's interesting too. Uh, we kind of talked about this, that uh, tabletop war gaming um, isn't a very personal uh, type of gaming. It's not like an mm-hmm. online gaming where you're, anonymous anonymous yeah. and talking over a mic you can say whatever you want um conversation is a huge part of tabletop wargaming yeah and it's interesting that a great game isn't always determined by what happens with the dice and the yeah. game itself a great game can be determined by the conversation that happens during the game so you yeah. can get absolutely obliterated obliterated off the table mm-hmm. but if you had a great conversation and a great time with the person that you're playing with that's what matters well okay coming back to that so i think the first game i ever played against ivor it was his iron warriors versus my dark elder and i Mm -hmm. got annihilated 
but like I re- I remember that game so vividly and like my Archon went up against his Dreadnought for like four or five rounds of combat mm-hmm. and stuff we had tons of fun and there was another game where it was me and Tyler versus his Iron Warriors in like an Apoc style game like mm-hmm. I remember most of the games I've had with him yeah and I've gotten crushed in every one of them but yeah. like he's such a fun opponent to yeah. play against mm-hmm. so it's really true it's not the game is so much more than what's happening on the table it's yeah. what's happening in the dialogue within the conversation with your opponent yeah yeah it's a really good point never thought of that before um so we were talking a little about the first point you brought up jay about why you play this game Mm -hmm. is sort of like escapism release relief yeah um relaxing not to get too personal but the reason, one of the reasons why I got back into the hobby was just like a lot of stress in my life. Mm-hmm. And I realized that like, you know what, this was something that I really enjoyed. And there's some thing when I pull out a model to, when I start doing some hobbying mm-hmm. or when I start rolling some dice at a table, I just kind of like forget about everything else that's going on in my life. And for that two hours that I'm going to sit down and do this yeah. or stand up and do this, um, I just kind of lose myself in the whole game itself. Yeah. And I, that's why I do it. There are other aspects of the game as well, like a competitive play and stuff like that, where I have to challenge myself a bit more. Mm-hmm. But the main reason why I got back into the hobby and why I enjoy it is this, like, this loss in this science fiction world and this mm-hmm. having fun with somebody else rolling dice on a table. It's it's playing, man. It's fun. Yeah, everyone needs a little bit of play in their life. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's definitely something that you, and everyone's like oh get a hobby and stuff and it's like i have yeah. the best hobby yeah <laughs> I, have I have the all, best hobby <laughs> i have all the hobby <laughs> um something you're talking about the narrative is like that can be a big part of it like for me building an army the background developing that story of the army is really important having yeah. named characters like not special characters but like characters i create mm-hmm. in the army uh we mentioned this uh before what well, not before when we were talking about this um like there's a certain type of person and I don't even want to say a certain type of person, but like role playing mm-hmm. is like, it can become such a part of the game. You yeah. really get into the mindset of the army that you're playing. Yeah. Right. Um, and I've said this time and time again, that I think that 40 K is like the best science fiction universe out there. Um, yeah. It's so deep, so rich, so many different uh, races and stuff. Star Wars is great. I fucking, I'm the biggest Star Wars fanboy, but like 40k, I'll admit, is like deeper than Star Wars. I feel, yeah. And there's so much to be able to get into, to immerse yourself into it, to get lost in it, yeah. To role play as the army that you're playing as, yeah. It's like really when you think about 40k, it has ten thousand years of story mm-hmm. like from the horus heresy to the quote-unquote present day yeah that's the lore or that's that's the story of warhammer Forty Thousand, and that's not even including the first thirty thousand years like what happened during the age of darkness yeah and dark age of technology and where we get from like present day to the horus heresy yeah. like that's all ancient history that's part of the depth mm-hmm. but it's not even explored in great detail yeah yeah it's like the focus on you know, M41, like that thousand years. It's the main focus. But then really there's like a deep breadth of history for the last 10,000 years. And then you get into all the little armies and like their backstories and even like individual characters and like different sectors and subsectors and planets and continents and cities. And like you can zoom in so closely on one little thing. And that's just like 
And there is a developed rich history behind yeah. a certain planet or something like that, yeah, right? Like, or the, the, the citizens and the society of the yeah, planet and like everything. Armageddon yeah. has three major wars, and that's one planet. Yeah. And that's only within about 100 or 500 years those mm-hmm. three wars have happened. Yeah. I don't know exactly how long it's been. But like Armageddon 2 and 3, that's within 50 years of each other, mm-hmm. I believe. That's one planet. Yeah. So and just you think about it. Like it's so easy... You can do it in Star Wars as well. Like, I obviously do a lot of GMing for Star Wars, but it's not the same. Mm-hmm. Where I've created two sectors in 40K, yeah, or I'm developing two sectors in 40K. Mm-hmm. And they're, I know roughly where they are. I don't need to pinpoint them exactly, but I can. And it's not going to, you know, change the tide yeah. of the universe. I can just pick it. And it's more pretty much just canon, mm-hmm. like because the universe is so vast, you can do whatever you want with it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, from a storytelling perspective, forty k is a phenomenal universe to like tell stories. Yeah, in. so that's a big value is role yeah. playing and getting lost in yeah the story that is forty k. Yeah. So uh, the last thing we've written down, I don't know if anything else can jump out to you, but uh, is hobby is like having painted miniatures, painted terrain. Mm-hmm. And, like, having that aspect as a value. Like, I want to play games that look great. I want to have painted models, painted scenery. Um, this is an interesting one because this is actually um, what got me back into yeah. 40K. wasn't the game itself. It was the I wanted to sit back and build some models and paint mm-hmm. them to the quality that I knew that I had the ability to paint them yeah. to that I didn't when I was younger. Um so the hobbying aspect is like it's huge to me. Yeah, the value of having nicely painted models and having like having an army that you can put down on the table that looks great. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like for me, like I don't. My value personally isn't I need to be the best painter out there. My value yeah. is I want to paint to the highest of my ability. Yeah. And it would be nice if that ability is to the level where people look at it and go, fuck, man, that is a nice-looking model. Yeah. Um, and I think that I do achieve that. I think so, yeah. Um, and it only strives for me to make my models better and better at that point, a personal goal, a personal value of getting better. Um, however, there are people that take that to the next level, and that's perfectly fine. That's great. That's what their value is, where they want to be. Mm-hmm. the best painter out there yeah they want to win that golden demon award and everything yeah but in, in the inverse some people this isn't a value for them they mm-hmm. want to just they're play more the they're more into playing the game and that's and, perfectly fine yeah, too right they yeah. might just have gray models and that's mm-hmm. cool or they just have three color minimums and they can play at certain events they're totally cool with buying a whole army just to put put yeah. it on the table and roll the yeah. dice right yeah for me it's definitely a part of it for, actually i've it's almost frustrating now because i've because you've given me like pointers and tips and criticisms. I look at my models. I'm like, fuck, I got to do better. <laughs> so now it's taking so much longer to paint a guy. Cause it's like, oh, I got to do two thin coats. And You're right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and now I'm looking at tanks that I've like halfway painted. It's like, I need to start over. Like, these look <laughs> like shit now. <laughs> so it's. It's the end result's great, but it's a little frustrating. It it's gets like, frustrating. Oh. It gets. Um, this is actually a topic that we'll cover maybe in a few weeks when I get past it, but I'm in a huge hobby drought right now. Armies on parade just killed me, man. Just painting to like a super high level. Um, It just really killed me. I don't like, now I see models sitting there and I know that once I sit down and start painting, I'll feel good about it. Yeah. But I just, I can't get into it. And 
I want to figure out how to break that. And once I do, then we'll do a main topic on getting through hoppy drought. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in the same way. Yesterday I spent all day painting blood bowl. And again, I spent a lot of time painting it and I didn't even finish the base coats, which is kind of frustrating. But yeah, since then, before that, I did a little bit for the uh, campaign. And other than that, I've like barely put paint. Yeah. I actually changed my list for the campaign because I just, I wasn't getting stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I haven't played any games at the current level because I don't have stuff done. And like, even during the last one, like I've been making slow progress, but like I'm, you know, I haven't got the basing done and everything Mm -hmm. and shit like that. But you know, hobbying is another value. So it's something we have to work on. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Anything else you can think of for this? Um, I don't think so, man. I think that's, I think we covered a lot of values. I think we covered a lot of the competitive stuff, a lot of our personal stuff and the general stuff as well. Yeah. So hopefully this has helped you define your values. And if not, you know, it's something you should think about or you can think about. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying you have to, but it could be helpful. You should really take the time to sit back if you haven't and really think about what you want to get out of this hobby. Yeah. I think it really helps you focus more on your spending, uh, your enjoyment of the hobby. I think budget. (laughs) Budget. Yeah. That's a big thing. I think too, if you're, um, if you find yourself in a bit of a rut with mm-hmm. the hobby, like I'm not having that much fun, yeah, sit back and look at it and be like, well, what are my values? What do I want to get out of this? You might sit back and realize, I just I don't enjoy playing the game that much. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy building models. And it's funny that GW has a stat saying that like the majority of their um, customers are actually hobbyists. They're not. They don't play the game. And a lot of people look at that and they go, really? That's strange. Because that's not you. But yeah. that's what they say. They say is that a lot of their customers are collectors and hobbyists. Over that, um, we're recording the day after the Sisters of Battle, the new canonist dropped. Got, dropped. Yeah. That sold out faster than like all of the customized dice that had come out and all mm-hmm. that stuff. It sold out, man, in like 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, how many of you actually play Sisters of Battle? It just goes to show you that there is actually a hobbyist collector community out there that just want that model. Yeah. Right. They have, they're never going to use it. They just want that model because it is. So obviously they know what they're talking about. So maybe the value that you have is hobbying. It's not actually playing the game. Well, I impulse bought Kazarkin because I love those models and having a bit of buyer's remorse because I'm like, what in the hell am I going to even build these, let alone like paint them and play them. Yeah. But I mean, I love those models. Yeah. I think there's a there's the hobbyist in all of us, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, we'll be right back. Don't go away. Hey everyone, Ian here. I just wanted to give a quick plug for an Age of Sigmar campaign I'm helping run at Games Workshop Young and Lawrence. We're running a map-based free-for-all campaign. It kicks off Saturday, January seventh at GW Young and Lawrence. To participate, you'll need an Age of Sigmar army of at least 1,000 match play points, though you'll want more than that as battles can be fought up to 2,500 points. Plus, you'll need 2-5 to five campaign markers to represent armies on the map. To sign up, talk to the staff at GW Young and Lawrence and purchase a new unit and character for your army. Show up on January 7th for the first campaign round, and if you have your first 1,000 points fully painted and based for the kickoff event, you'll receive a bonus in the campaign. I'll be posting rules closer to January 7th. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact me via Facebook or the podcast's email, or ask the staff at GW Young and Lawrence. Hope to see you there. All right, bro. Mm. Let's go beyond the rim. All right. <laughs> um, so 
I have been playing Battlefield One lately. Yeah. Um, I'm still so hooked on Overwatch, but like I am. Every time I come over, I'm just like, "Oh, how's it going, Ian? Oh, yeah, I stayed at your place till like three in the morning playing Overwatch." <laughs> um, but like I have been branching off and playing Battlefield One a little bit more because it is a lot yeah. of fun. Um, interesting that like I used to play. Um, I don't want to say like. Well, not pro competitive, but I, I used to play a lot of competitive Battlefield, mm-hmm. uh, like back not Battlefield Four so much, but more so like uh, Bad Company Two and stuff. Okay. Um, and Battlefield's always had a pretty strong competitive scene, right? Uh, but this game, it's not going to have that. It's not a competitive game. Like mm-hmm. so many of the guns are so inaccurate. Like you're used to first person shooters, like I aim at you, and so long as my target is over you, or okay, maybe, maybe this bullet drop or bullet delay or whatever, right, to get there. But it's still, it's going to go where I aim yeah. the It's the a reliable reference. gun. Yeah, this this game, you like, you aim where you want to aim, pull the trigger, and like within just a few feet, you see that bullet just, whoa, just goes off in a different direction. Yeah. Right? It's like half your bullets aren't even going to hit the person that you're mm-hmm. aiming at. And like the vehicles, the tanks are just so OP. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a really, really fun game. Mm-hmm. It's not a competitive game. And I think the community's already agreed on that. Yeah. That it's not going to be a competitive game, which is cool. And it it's interesting that once you know that, you look at the game in a completely different light. Mm-hmm. And you just turn the game on. You're like, well, I'm going to go around and shoot some people. Yeah. Um, and we were actually playing it, what, yesterday? And it was Remembrance Day. Oh, God. And we're like, we should not be playing this, man. <laughs> like, No. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I haven't been playing it too much, but that's aside from the usual... Stuff that I'm playing yeah. that I don't want to bore everyone's time with. That um, our friend Elton put it really well. It's like this isn't. This is like playing through a World War One movie, like playing through Passion Day. Yeah, or well, I mean, what do you like an actual World War One game? Okay, yeah. everyone line up, run out there, and you all die. Right? This game's not realistic. You're not having using one hand to scratch the lice all the time. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, cool. It's uh, interesting. How about yourself? Went to Snakes and Lattes with some coworkers the other week. Snakes and Lattes is a uh, board game shop in yeah, Toronto. Yeah, it's a board game cafe. Yeah. yeah, so they have like a huge library of board games. Massive selection of yeah, board there's games. There's actually yeah. two locations in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my coworkers, her and her boyfriend, they play... I don't know if they're huge board game geeks, but they, there's a couple that they're good at, and we played those two. And we're obviously, so, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they took us to town. Mm-hmm. Train Town, because we Train. played Ticket to Ride. Okay, now this is interesting. This is a game that I've always wanted to play. Okay. And I've heard some pretty good things about it. What was your impression? Uh, it was your first time playing it? Yeah, okay. first time playing it. Yeah. Easy to pick up. Okay, right Very on. Like, very simple, but, mm-hmm. like, also very complex. So, it's like a map of America with some Canadian cities as well. Yeah. With all these train lines between between them. And you get cards, and that allows you to build on certain train lines. Like, it's all color-coded. Okay. Uh, the cards and the train lines are your actual pieces. The color of those don't matter. It's just to differentiate. Okay. And you get points for the longer the railway is, the okay. line, like mm-hmm. the greater distance. So if you build one from like uh, Montreal to San Fran or something like that, yeah, yeah. then that's going to, if you like a continuous one, that's going to be a lot of points. Okay. So it's so, done off of points. It's not done off of like, like, is the game over once I build that? Is that it? Or no? Is the game it goes until time and then... it goes until you uh, one player runs out of uh, trains. Oh, okay. Like so, but like my coworker, she was 
saving all hers, and we're like, oh, what's going to happen? Then she just laid down, like, three six-car, six, like, token lines, yeah. and six being the biggest, and it's like, just, she just shot up ahead. Okay. We're yeah. all screwing around with, like, one or two little lines, yeah, and, yeah. like, the busy... Was she the one that knew coast. how to play the game? Yeah. Of obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she came second, and her boyfriend came first. Yeah. So, but, and, but, I mean... The other, me and the two other guys who hadn't played it, we picked it up really fast. Yeah. We didn't do badly. And there's also, um, you get tickets, so you need to build one from, like, Toronto to Seattle or something. Oh, okay. and like, then, you have to. Yeah, and you, yeah. by the, at the end of the game, if you've achieved that, you get bonus points. But if you didn't achieve it, they are subtracted from your score. Oh, okay, cool. I like that. Yeah. No, it was so a lot of fun. you can't just have the same strategy going in every single time? No, because you get randomly dealt, and you can discard and redraw at the yeah. beginning. And you can get more later after you've completed your tickets. Mm -hmm. But it's risky because if you don't finish them. Yeah. Yeah. And you, it goes around in turns. And on your turn, you can either like pick up cards or lay down track. Cool, man. So, and you need to spend cards to lay down the track. So it's kind of interesting. And if people see where you're going, they can lay it, take the track from you. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, How many people is it? I think up to six. Right We were playing with five. And how long does it take to play? Uh, probably that for us it probably took an hour and a half. I That's think. actually a short amount of time for like a maybe two hours. I, I like yeah. a game that lasts like an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. I think that's a good amount of time for a board game for everyone to sit around. Yeah. Once you start getting up to the two hour, three hour range, like we were going to play the Game of Thrones board game last night. We should have played well, the Game yeah, of Thrones but, board game last but night. But our friend had a good point. He's like, I don't, I'm not in the mood to play like a three, three and a half hour board game, which is. Well, not everyone can man. be right all the time. Yeah. So. <laughs> no, I, I just really want to play that. We need to get um our uh, friends who are really keen to yeah. play. We have two friends who were, they saw the game on the shelf at a party. And it's like, we should play this right now. Yeah. So, But yeah, that game I love because there's no dice involved. It's all strategy. So if you're going into battle, there's everyone has a hand with okay. the characters on it. And they mm-hmm. add stuff to the fight. Hmm. And the hands are open. So you oh, can okay. see what they're... You don't know what they're going to pick, but you can see you what can their see options, what options are. are. Interesting. So, like, I, I go into a battle, and I think, like, okay, if he picks these two, I'm going to lose. But if he picks any of the other ones, I'll probably win. So which one am I going to pick? Yeah. And, then, like, I just go... I stare, stare at the board, like, number crunching for, like, yeah. five minutes. And that can be annoying as hell. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I really like it, so... Right on. Uh... I mean, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but we can talk about it again. Blood mm-hmm. Bowl. Blood Bowl. That's coming out. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to play that. <laughs> Spent, I wasn't super keen, and then I spent an hour watching videos online of Blood Bowl. And, and like now unboxing like, and stuff, yeah. Unboxing, learn how to play, yeah. promo And you videos. weren't planning on buying the, uh, or you're not buying, like, the starter set. No, I'm... But I think that you're getting all of the yeah, stuff. A buddy's buying, too, so I'm going to, like... Trade. I'm I'm trading him some stuff so he's gonna give me some yeah. like, templates and shit. Yeah. So and I'm getting Skaven. So right which I know you're also getting Skaven. It's okay. So. I'm gonna Skaven and humans. So yeah, yeah. Because I'm giving a buddy of mine. Uh, yeah, the some orcs. orcs. Gonna paint them, build yeah. them up for him, all nice. Orcs are tempting. Oh, you know, I I want to get Skaven. If for some reason I don't like the game, I can convert them up and use them in Sigmar. That's, That's kind of where I'm thinking. Yep. So. It's an uh, easy in. I'm me. excited to get like a league net going on, which seems like there's a good group of people that want to do that. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. Mm-hmm. And the new Death Zone book seems to. Have I heard that too stuff. that the Games Workshops are probably getting like a designated Blood Bowl like section too. Like they're going to be getting a like a turf, not well, not a turf, but 
a board, a shelf, or an area where you can, like an actual table where you yeah. can play Blood Bowl. I games. guess it depends on shop to shop because some of them, what are they going to take down? Like one of their main six by four yeah, tables. Yeah, exactly. Not all the shops are as big as Younger Lawrence. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, that goes for any game store. If it's there's a community behind it, that game store should support it and have a dedicated area for mm-hmm. it, whether it's shelf space for products or like a pitch setup at all times. Yeah. So. yeah. We'll see what happens. I mean, most stores, regardless of how big their gaming space is, most games workshops have a lot of wall space. Yeah. A lot of retail space. Yeah. Um, So I think you're going to start seeing it on the shelves and everything. Well, I think so. Like, the other games that... Well, this is the first game they've released with, like, expansions in a while. Right so off like the bat, you, too. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, like, you know, Gorchos in, Battle for Kalth, uh, Overkill. Lost Patrol. Yeah, that stuff. And those are like standalone games, but they haven't released specific expansions for them. Mm-hmm. Like you can buy Terminators and use them in Lost Patrol, for example, mm-hmm. but they haven't released like expansions where this Blood Bowl is like, okay, we've got the main game, and then there's the Skaven team and this book. And, and this book, which has rules for other, other teams, teams as well, which I think yeah. you're going to see within the next few months, hopefully. A few months, you're going to see the boxes for all those. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's almost a new game line. Yeah. Like it's got the same, uh, like races and, sort of world that it's set in but yeah. it's it's a new game mm-hmm. so it's really cool quote unquote new but yeah sorry yeah <laughs> uh you however have been using roll 20 yeah so roll 20.net i believe if you just google roll 20 you're living it's 2016 come on yeah anyway sorry <laughs> i found it and i'm not even like i found it before you told me about it and yeah i'm not even like a hardcore rpg or so uh my old uh Edge of the Empire group in Windsor. We've been playing Roll20 a few times online. I haven't GM'd yet online, but uh, two of my friends have. And we played our second session last weekend. And we've kind of done, like, we've got our main Criminal Empire group. And they've kind of, like, sat back and got, like, their underlings to do stuff. So we're now playing, like, the underlings. Yeah, that's cool. And last time I was in Windsor, I GM'd a session, which I talked about last episode, Mm -hmm. I believe, where we got this derelict starship set up as like a makeshift space station yeah so this one we went over to another ship in like the graveyard to try and find parts mm-hmm. uh, i won't get into too much detail uh, it was kind of a quick session we were on some time constraints but i was running like a force sensitive keldor marshall it's the first time i've run a force sensitive character and i kind of want to do like the exile who's not really using stuff and i gave him move like force move and i'm like i'm never going to use this like yeah, so i've would... seen my players with force sensitive characters mm-hmm. like they have move and they're like trying to use it but they can't find something cool yeah however my friend daryl is playing captain feline like which is like captain america because his character has a buckler that he throws at people right on and has this strap that like allows it to magnetically jump back into his hand, but he has to be right next to it essentially. Yeah. Like it's not from across the room. Yeah, he like throws it, runs up to it, and as he's running past, it'll exactly. Come back to him. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. But he threw his shield, and we were like pinned down. So I force moved it. Oh, that's awesome. Next to him, yeah, like sick. that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'm kind so of really small ex- things that yeah that make Edge just so sick. Yeah, I'm really excited to play this character because it's. I've been building up the backstory like. Oh, he's the law. He's the marshal on this world, but now he's joined up with these criminals and he's mm-hmm. hiding from the empire because he was like the kid during the Jedi purge mm-hmm. and got lucky enough to not be killed. So sweet, yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited. We're gonna play Edges Tuesday. Yeah, get back gotta, into it. Yeah, I gotta write all that stuff. 
I've started. Yeah. But that's why I didn't have deadlines, mm-hmm. so I can meet them. No, I'm excited. I created yeah. this character, and I was, like, really into it. And then we took, like, a, a big break, which is acceptable. Their yeah. Life came up. But yeah. uh, I'm excited to get back into that character. Yeah, I'm working on two adventures kind of simultaneously. I want so. to... Um, because obviously, like you try and become the character when you're playing. Mm. I'm. I need to go through like all of our other characters in our yeah. party, and I need to write down like insults kind of towards them, <laughs> like names that I can call them and stuff like that for their characters, just yeah. so I can. I like to get everybody else into the game more yeah. by making my character believable mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pump for that, man. Yeah, I might be playing again on Sunday on roll twenty, but sweet. I don't know. It'd be two Sundays in a row, and I kind of have to like blow off family obligations. To yeah, do it, so yeah. I don't know if I can. <laughs> Real but, life, damn it. Yeah. Oh, fuck <laughs> six. Right on, man. Uh, you got anything else you want to talk about? No, I think that's about it. That's it. Okay, buddy. All right. So uh, come back and uh, close the show. Yeah, man. All right. Well, that's it for today, folks. Yeah. So, hope you've enjoyed this episode of Wrong Side of the Maelstrom. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, if you guys ever want to get in contact with us, you can get in contact with us on Facebook. Yeah. So, facebook.com slash wrong side of the maelstrom, mm-hmm. all one word. You can contact us via Gmail at wrong side of the maelstrom at gmail.com. We're also on iToy Soldiers. Um, I have a phone now, so I'll be getting those emails. Not that I haven't been getting them, I check it, but like. Yeah. And hopefully I'll be able to post pictures again. Yeah, and like we always say before, guys, if you got any uh, rules lawyering questions, anything like that, anything you want to see us cover, um, let us know, man. Yeah. We're open for suggestions. That's it. We want to be your show. So Yeah, if you're local Toronto and just want to, you know, pound on a baby seal, let us know if you want to get in a game. (laughs) That's more or less what it's like, right? Uh, Yeah, Yeah. for me. I don't know about you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, man. uh, We normally game at uh, Games Workshop Young and Lawrence. However, mm-hmm. we're willing to travel around the city, yeah, even slightly outside the city if you want to get a Especially game. Especially north of the city. That's yeah, where I if live. you want to invite us to a tournament or something like that, we have no problem coming by. We have no problem talking about it. If you have a tournament that you want covered, yeah. let us know, man. We'll show up. We'll cover it. Even if yeah. you just want to send us the results, we'll talk about it. We'll let everyone else know about it, yeah, advertise sure. it. Um, At the very least, we'll share it on our Facebook page. That's it, man. Yeah, we're here for so. you guys. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, support your local store. Uh, in addition to GW Young and Lawrence, we go to Meeple Mart and uh, X Games. Is, is it X Games or Planet X? I always fuck it up. X Planet. X in, Planet. In Jesus. Mississauga. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also Dueling Grounds, uh, 401 Games. Yeah. I know 401 Games has a very heavy um, like Star Wars community. They play a lot of X-Wing stuff there. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Imperial Assault. Yeah. yeah. I know but, right now there's a lot of people getting ready for, I don't know what tournament it is. I don't follow the community well enough, but... A lot of people are getting ready for like a big tournament for Imperial Assault. Oh, and a lot of like competitive games and stuff like that. Yeah. If you're more north of the city, GW at Langstaff is a great store. There's also Legends right in the same area. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm Ian. And I'm Jason. And we'll see you on the wrong side of the maelstrom.